Hi, my name is Terry Adams. I'm the Chemistry Department Scientific Glassblower, but I offer a university-wide service. I'm also a Fellow of the British Society of Scientific Glassblowers and currently hold the post of Honorary Secretary and Society Librarian. A scientific glassblower is much more than a manipulator of glass. They're a professional who fabricates, modifies and repairs experimental and laboratory glass products, using a variety of machines, tools and provides technical advice to scientists and engineering staff on function, property and proposed design of products applying knowledge of glass technology. A scientific glassblower has knowledge of many subjects related to glassblowing and beyond. An example being machine shop practices or major chemical processes such as chromatography, extraction, evaporation and distillation. A glassblower who knows the principles involved in these chemical processes and who is familiar with laboratory techniques such as high vacuum are better able to make constructive suggestions in design of new apparatus. Without glass, the development of technological culture would certainly have taken a different course. The humble glassblower is regarded as the Cinderella of science. We turned alchemists into chemists. We were instrumental in making optical magicians become a modern optician. And the story of the light bulb didn't start with Edison. It was a glassblower. The first optical fibres were not drawn by machine, but two glassblowers working together. If there were no Cinderella, there would be no ball. The fact is, science would suffer without access to the scientific glassblower. Okay, the, the spectacles I'm wearing are, um, it's a rare earth um, mineral called didinium, and it actually takes the sodium glare out of the flame. So uh, when we've got less oxygen in the flame and there's more yellow, to the naked eye, it's, it's quite blurry uh, and unclear, very bright. Um, the didinium lens just takes all the sodium glare out, so I actually have a much more clear image of what I'm doing. The tube in the chuck on the left, this side, is, is aluminous porcelain. It's going to be used as a furnace tube. Uh, the tube is rated up to um, 1500 degrees uh, under vacuum. Um, so it can be used in furnaces for boats and so on, but uh, often research workers need a closed system. So they need to be able to connect up fittings to the ends of the tube. Um, so the way we do that is to actually glass standard fittings onto the ends so that the research workers can connect. Just opening up. This is a ceiling glass. It's an intermediate grade from the ceramic to the uh, pyrex, as you would know it, borosilicate glass of the fitting. So I just need to open it up so that it's slightly larger than the size of the ceramic tube. Must keep The ceramic tube has to be glowing cherry red the whole time. using a carbon tool, carbon being the only material which can move the glass without it sticking and leaving marks in the glass. So the finish on the tool is the finish on the glass. You need to keep them clean. So I'm just going to leave a band of sealing glass on the end. 
I just need to open this up. And wrap the sealing glass right round the end of the tube. side warm in the other chuck remove the ceiling glass and put the fit in now we join the two together Control the cooling just for a little while. Okay, job done. Just allow that to cool. Um, when you actually work glass, you introduce strain into it. It's all to do with the poises of the viscosity and the cooling temperatures and temperature gradients and so on. Um, that's when it becomes a problem if research workers try to undertake work within their laboratories um, because strained glass and unstrained glass looks exactly the same to the naked eye. Um, you can only see the strain with the use of a polarised light source um, where the uh, tension and compression created within the glass in the form of strain becomes evident in the form of yellow and blue light. So um, this piece of glass, for example, to the naked eye looks perfectly okay. So if this were a vessel and a research worker picked it up, they might decide that they want to use that piece of glass. Um, you'll see when you look at it under the strain viewer that I've actually put a flame, a spotted flame on this, which any research worker could possibly do in a lab by accident, just passing it across the front of a piece of, uh, of, of a flame. Um, and you'll see the strain highlighted is blue and yellow tension and compression. Um, if that is not removed from the glass before the glass is used, uh, it's highly likely that during the life of that piece of glass, whether it's been cool, cooled or heated up or put under vacuum or put under pressure, that the um, stress will just create a crack in the glass and the piece of glassware will fail. Um, so as a glass blower, I, everything I make will go through an annealing process, 
which is a process where the glass is raised effectively to the, the highest temperature to which it can be before it distorts under its own weight. And then the glass is cooled uh, through a annealing schedule, which is all relative to the glass itself and the working temperatures and the thickness of the glass.